for the majority of my Christian life, I was a Baptist and I was fine in that belief. You know, I was settled. That was just what I believed, believed, you know, out of conviction of the scriptures. And I was viewed infant baptism as just, you know, you know, just your average normal Baptist uh, framework that, it, you know, baptism is clearly for believers and only for believers and not for their children. And there was a difference between the Old Testament to New Testament in terms of continuity and covenantal uh, signs for those who belong to the covenant community of God's people. But it wasn't until this year where things began to change and I began to reinvestigate this whole debate issue. And it was also, you know, a perfect timing for me because my, you know, my daughter was, was coming up and I believe it was about the time of, I want to say maybe February or March where I began to in, investigate, well, is infant baptism biblical? And, and there was a reason for it because something, something clicked in me, something cha changed in me, or really something put a chink in my armor that, that caused this journey and switch over from believers only baptism to infant baptism. So I want to talk about it. I want to explain it because I do think there's a strong biblical case to be made of why we baptize infants. And I don't think there's, there's a lot of, um, maybe not too much, uh, info out there that's helpful or, you know, at the very least, uh, some people don't really talk about it so much. So, you know, I, you know, I just kind of want to just, um, Shed a, shed a little light about that, you know, share, you know, my, my, my uh, testimony of why I became a pedo Baptist. So as I said, going back to January, February, that's when I started to question this, this uh, belief again. And, and it, you know, it was interesting because it wasn't me looking into tradition or seeing that, you know, my heroes in the faith, like John Wesley held to infant baptism. For me, um, you know, that was just a, a point of disagreement. Like I was content that, yeah, Wesley was a pedo Baptist, the majority of people during his time were. And that was just, you know, again, you know, just a point of, of disagreement. And I was content to just stay, you know, stay there. So it was it wasn't due to tradition. And I think that's important because a lot of times people may think that, oh, this is just a tradition you're holding to, or people just baptize babies because of tradition. And you know, uh, that might be true for some people. You know, that's just what they grew up in. They never question it. And you know, for them, it's not really anything that they know why from the Bible, they do that, you know, practice infant baptism. They just, you know, again, they grew up in that church in the atmosphere. But for me, it wasn't like that at all. And I wasn't even expecting to, 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 to do a changeover. And it wasn't even because my daughter was, was, was being born. What happened was I started to think about the idea of, and, and, and principle of family worship. So I was questioning, um, or, you know, thinking and dwelling upon, the principle of family worship that is churches should encourage families to worship together in, in you know in the covenant community or or corporately together in the home and also in the church you know sing songs of praise to god hear the words see the sacraments administrated um and so that just you know led me to 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 thinking well why do i hold to this principle of family worship you know you know why you know why do i feel like this is a a conviction in the bible and that got me thinking well this idea has to come from somewhere. So if not from the Bible, where else would it come from? So it just got me realizing, well, this principle, again, this idea of family worship is coming from the Bible. And again, where else would it come from? It's coming from the scriptures. And that made me realize that the, Bible's uh, the Bible teaches the idea of family worship because it recognizes and teaches that Christian households are real. And because Christian households are real, that led me to realize that believers' children belong corporately to the church. And once I saw that, I saw a case and a reason for why you would then give 
to your infants, bapt, uh, you know, the sign and seal of baptism and why you would baptize them because baptism is the initiatory right to those who belong to the church. So baptism is the sign and seal of the people of God, just as circumcision was. And this put me on this journey because once I saw a case and a reason for it, a strong case and a strong reason from the Bible, from the scriptures, drawing off of the principle of family worship, that led me on a whole journey. And really, it, it put a kink in my armor that didn't go away because I started to, um, as a result of that, I started to look into this. I started to investigate, think about it biblically. Um, I, you know, I had conversations. My friend Austin Brown, if he's listening to this, uh, uh, helped me out with this. You know, he's a Presbyterian, so I got to hear from him uh, on this issue of infant baptism. And I, you know, I just started to, you know, watch debates, read, you know, read, you know, read some books. Didn't do too much reading, but I did uh, read maybe like one, you know, one or two book on the issue. And you know, at first, I didn't, I didn't jump in on it right away. Like I didn't just want to be like, okay, now I see the problem with Baptists. You know that, you know that framework. And because you know Christian households are real, let me go baptize. I didn't want to jump on that bandwagon too fast. I, didn't, you know, I didn't want to just automatically get in. I want to take my time and and really make sure that this, that this is biblical because it is a big changeover going from the Baptist framework to the Pado Baptist framework. It is a big paradigm shift, and you know, you know, just have conversations with people about this. People get really, really easily uh, irritated when when you know you talk about um, the differences between infant baptism versus believers only baptism and people can get very agitated really fast and so you know you know it was a big paradigm shift and and um you know i wanted to make sure that i'm not just doing a hasty switch that's not biblical because i wanted to be grounded in the scriptures and the problem was though for me it was that once i i i saw that this idea that children of believing parents belong corporately to the church and I, and I can see then the reason for why we were then baptized. And because of that, it put a chink in not only my armor, but in the Baptist argument. And I saw a lot of holes and a lot of problems. And I started to listen to Baptists and hear their, their, their evidences from the scriptures and interpretations and arguments and objections. And it made me realize that I don't think they have a lot of good arguments. Now, the intention of this video is not to bash the Baptists. Um, if, if you're somebody who, who's holding to believers only baptism, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go. So, you know, just bear with me. I'm not going to harp on this. And I don't think that you're heretics or, or, or sinful, but, you know, I'm just being, you know, you know, honest and giving my testimony was that I think a lot, the Baptists have a lot of arguments that don't really work. And, you know, you know, just to go, you know, maybe one of them, you know, you know, one of the problems or the forefront of the problems is that if the arguments for believers only baptism are valid, then they also equally are valid for circumcision of infants, which is what God commanded in the Old Testament. And so, so I started to see, see problems like that. But the most important problem was at, at, the, at the, you know, you know, the real tip of the spear was, again, just going back to the, to the, to the truthfulness of family worship. So why, why do I affirm family worship? Well, I affirm family worship because, again, that's how God has, has set up and structured households. God, God counts households as, as spears, as domains. And even baptized, uh, Baptists, you know, will, will recognize this. Like, you know, you hear testimonies of people who say that, you know, they grew up in a, in a Christian household. They're not saying that I was just born, you know, regenerated or just born with the Holy Spirit from the womb like John the Baptist. They're just saying, hey, I, you know, we grew up in a Christian household and I was raised Christian. And, and in this house, 
we worship God. We pray to him. We called him father. We were taught to love and obey and trust in him. And even Baptists, again, will do this. The Baptists will live under this, this, this reality that domains of Christendom are real. And the Old Testament, you know, you can definitely see this play out. But the way, you know, you know, to talk about that is, is, is just to say that there are, um, or, or that the church is the covenant community of God's people. So the church is the covenant community of God's people. And that includes the infants of the believers, whether they are saved or not saved, they are then under the domain, under the sphere of, of the household of the believing parents, which means that they belong to the church corporately. But notice that I'm saying corporately. So I'm not saying salvifically. I'm saying corporately. There's this objective reality that, again, if if uh, I have a, a child, which I do, thank God I do, praise God. If I have a child, my my daughter belongs to, corporately to the church. Doesn't mean she's saved because of me. Just means that she is objectively belonged to to that church body or the or the church body, capital C. And you can see this with how again how we act because the church welcomes in children. You know, we you know we let them into the sanctuary to the corporate gathering of believers. You know, they hear the word preached. They they see the sacraments uh, being administrated to the people of God. You know, they're a part of that. And even in in um, you know my own house, I'm going to be raising my daughter, and hopefully I have more kids. I'm going to be raising my kids as Christians. That is to love God, to worship God, to trust God. Uh, you know, I'm 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 going to have them pray and call God Father. Baptists do this the exact same thing. So intuitively, we know that Christian households are real. But that means if Christian households are real, that means, again, going back to the same principle, drawing from the truthfulness of family worship, that your children belong corporately to the church. So you can be a Baptist in belief, but you can't be a Baptist in practice. Everybody, everybody. If you're going to be a faithful Christian, you're going to act like there's a covenant community of God's people and your children are in and under this spear slash domain. And therefore, they receive the sign and seal of baptism. I'm calling baptism the sign and seal. So uh, just to explain that to you. So, you know, sign means that it, it, it's pointing to something. And then a seal means that it's a reassurance of that sign. So baptism is a sign and seal of regeneration or a sign and seal of, of the forgiveness of sins found in Christ. It points us to the gospel and it and it gives us the seal, which is the reassurance of the promise of what Christ did for us, that, that by faith we are saved. And we give this sign to those who belong to the covenant community of God's people, which because it includes our children, they we then therefore baptize them. And that's why I switch from believers only baptism to pedo baptism that uh this was you know really you know just to make it really really simple i i i now believe in infant baptism because i believe that children of believing parents belong to the church so again just to reiterate that i believe infant baptism is biblical because but uh infants of believing children belong to the church and you know you know to be more technical um, i would say corporately i you know i would emphasize not salvifically i'm saying corporately and then baptism is a sign and seal of the new covenant given to those who do belong to the covenant community of God's people. They still have to confirm their faith. Like my daughter, she was baptized when, when um, you know, you know, she gets older and reaches the age of accountability. That's when she would then confirm her faith is what we call confirmation. She's confirming her baptism by saying, hey, I, I, I um, now publicly um, uh, repented of my sins or, you know, um, 
or make a public declaration of my faith, of my repentance, and trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation. And then she would partake of, of the Lord's Supper. And, you know, uh, just so you know why I'm on that topic, what I also learned was that baptism is not contrary to what I, I was taught in the evangelical world and what they teach in the evangelical world. I don't view baptism as a profession of faith. I view the Lord's Supper as, as a profession of faith. Think about the scripture where Paul says that you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I think, you know, even realizing that truth, that that the Lord's Supper is when we profess our faith individually rather than baptism. It's, it's a good thing because baptism is a one-time act. The Lord's Supper is do this, do this as often, um, as often as you do this in remembrance of me. So every time we partake of communion with the saints, we're, we're publicly declaring Christ and professing Christ. And that's why you have confirmation when you come to faith, um, you know, uh, you know, for the first time, you then partake of the Lord's Supper and proclaim his death until he comes. And that serves as your profession of faith, but it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual act. So it's, so, you know, it's a much deeper, better understanding of what it means to profess your faith. Because again, it's not one time, it's continual. And, you know, while we're even on this, you know, subject too, infant baptism also brought, brought a benefit to me as a husband and as a father, because it helps me to realize and see how God wants my household to function and operate. So Christ is a, a Lord of our house. And as um, Lord, he put me in charge over my wife and over my children and wants me to lead them spiritually to him. So that means that this, again, this sphere, this domain, everybody in my household is my responsibility to lead them towards Christ, to lead them towards Christ. So it brought a, a really richer, deeper understanding of Christian households. Again, just recognizing that Christian households are real. They're real. And they're real because God, since the Old Testament, has always had a covenant community of his people, and infants were always included under that covenant. If you know what I'm talking about, you know, I'm I'm really just speaking of, you know, along the lines of thoughts and theology of Genesis 17, where God to Abraham um, you know, made a covenant and he gave him the sign of that covenant, which was circumcision, showing those who belong to it. And he said, This is for you and your children. Well, Peter in Acts 2:39 says that baptism is for you and your children. Now, for us in the evangelical world, and, you know, if we're good Baptists, that, you know, that, uh, that doesn't really mean much to us. But to a Jew, they, you know, they would understand that, oh, that's Genesis 17 language. Just as God said, hey, Abraham, circumcise you and your children, you and your descendants. So Peter's saying, baptize you and your children, or the promise of baptism is for you and your children. They would understand that. And that's why also, you know, you see Baptist or, or baptism households in the book of Acts. In the Old Testament, again, Genesis 17, Abraham circumcised his household. So everybody in that domain was circumcised. They received, this, they received the sign of circumcision. So it's, you know, this Old Testament, New Testament continuity being continued. And that's why, you know, you even have verses like 1 Corinthians 7.14, where Paul says that, um, you know, he's arguing the case of if a Christian has an unbelieving spouse, well, should they divorce? Should they leave? Paul says no. And the reason why is that the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the believing spouse. Then he makes the claim to say, so um, this, you know, to make the, uh, you know, the, or draw out the truth that even your children are holy. Even your children are holy. Well, why is that, Paul? Why, why are my children holy? Well, because he's he's assuming and drawing off of what the Bible has always taught that Christian households are real, covenant communities are real, and God counts counts 
um, families as a household. And that's why your children are holy. That's why your children are holy. So, you know, just truths like that, let me, do, again, to see that the Baptists don't really have an argument here because if what the Baptist is, is, is telling me is true, that these covenant communities don't really exist, um, why are my children holy? Why is my faith spilling over to them so that those under my household are then counted and considered by God holy? See, it's not Paul saying, I'm counting them as holy. Paul's saying they are holy, which means God is counting them as holy. Because again, family worship is real, Christian households are real, and your children, because of that, belong corporately to the church, and therefore they receive the sign and seal of baptism, pointing them to Christ and giving, you know, giving uh, the reassurance of what he of what he did for them that by faith they can be saved and, and forgiven of their sins. And you know, this even, you know, once I started to see this more, I felt that if I didn't baptize my daughter, I would potentially be withholding something good for her. I didn't want to withhold baptism from her because I, I felt as if I would, would, would be withholding a good act of God uh, from her. And I want to, you know, I care about, I care about her. I love her deeply. I want to, you know, uh, do the best I can for her as her father. And I wanted to then, because of that, give her baptism, which would point her to Christ and give her the reassurance of what he did for her, that by faith, again, she's saved. So I'm actually going to be using and want to use her baptism as a reminder, saying, hey, you were baptized. Look to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Your baptism signifies what he did for you. Believe, trust in Christ. He promises that if you do, he'll forgive you of your sins. And so I plan to use that as a tool, as a father in my life, to confirm her baptism. And, um, you know, again, look look and point her to Jesus. There are other biblical reasons I I now hold to um, or, or an, and what led me to holding or, or switching from believe it was only baptism to infant baptism. I primarily wanted to make this video upon the ultimate reasons for it. Uh, you know, if, if you, know, you know, or maybe in the future, you know, I'll make another video. Let me know what you think in the comment sections and uh, any questions, always reach out to me. And whether you're on podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, if you guys can please like and share and subscribe, this helps the channel grow and leave a review. And I really appreciate that. Until next time, we'll continually uh, try to um, do our best to give you weekly content, if not bi-weekly, but definitely monthly, and teaching the biblical method, which is true scriptural Christianity. God bless.